Section 31 of the Columbia Accident Investigation Board Final Report, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Norman Elfer. The Columbia Accident Investigation Board Final Report, Volume 1, by the Columbia Accident Investigation Board. Chapter 7b, The Accident's Organizational Causes, Part 2. 7.3. Organizational Causes, Evaluating Best Safety Practices. Many of the principles of solid safety practice, identified as crucial by independent reviews of NASA and in-accident and risk literature, are exhibited by organizations that, like NASA, operate risky technologies with little or no margin for error. While the board appreciates that organizations dealing with high-risk technology cannot sustain accident-free performance indefinitely, evidence suggests that there are effective ways to minimize risk and limit the number of accidents. In this section, the board compares NASA to three specific examples of independent safety programs that have strived for accident-free performance and have, by and large, achieved it. The U.S. Navy Submarine Flooding Prevention and Recovery, SUBSAFE, Subsafe, Naval Nuclear Propulsion, Naval Reactors, Programs, and the Aerospace Corporation's Launch Verification Process, which supports U.S. Air Force space launches. The safety cultures and organizational structure of all three make them highly adept in dealing with inordinately high risk by designing hardware and management systems that prevent seemingly inconsequential failures from leading to major accidents. Although size, complexity, and missions in these organizations and NASA differ, the following comparisons yield valuable lessons for the space agency to consider when redesigning its organization to increase safety. Navy Submarine and Reactor Safety Programs Human spaceflight and submarine programs share notable similarities. Spacecraft and submarines both operate in hazardous environments, use complex and dangerous systems, and perform missions of critical national significance. Both NASA and Navy operational experiences include failures. For example, USS Thresher, USS Scorpion, Apollo 1 capsule fire, Challenger, and Columbia. Prior to the Columbia mishap, Administrator Sean O'Keefe initiated the NASA Navy Benchmarking Exchange to compare and contrast the programs, specifically in safety and mission assurance. The Navy Subsafe and Naval Reactor programs exercise a high degree of engineering discipline, emphasize total responsibility of individuals and organizations, and provide redundant and rapid means of communicating problems to decision-makers. The Navy's nuclear safety program emerged with its first nuclear-powered warship, USS Nautilus, while non-nuclear, subsafe practices evolved from past flooding mishaps and philosophies first introduced by naval reactors. The Navy lost two nuclear-powered submarines in the 1960s, the USS Thresher in 1963, and the Scorpion, 1968, which resulted in a renewed effort to prevent accidents. 
The SubSafe program was initiated just two months after the Thresher mishap to identify critical changes to submarine certification requirements. Until a ship was independently recertified, its operating depth and maneuvers were limited. SubSafe proved its value as a means of verifying the readiness and safety of submarines and continues to do so today. The Naval Reactor Program is a joint Navy-Department of Energy organization responsible for all aspects of Navy nuclear propulsion, including research, design, construction, testing, training, operation, maintenance, and the disposition of the nuclear propulsion plants on board many naval ships and submarines, as well as their radioactive materials. Although the Navy fleet is ultimately responsible for day-to-day -day operations and maintenance, these operations occur within parameters established by an entirely independent division of naval reactors. The U.S. Nuclear Navy has more than 5,500 reactor years of experience without a reactor accident. Put another way, nuclear-powered warships have steamed a cumulative total of over 127 million miles, which is approximately equivalent to over 265 lunar round trips. In contrast, the space shuttle program has spent about three years on orbit, although its spacecraft have traveled some 420 million miles. Naval reactor success depends on several key elements, concise and timely communication of problems using redundant paths, insistence on airing minority opinions, formal written reports based on independent peer-reviewed recommendations from prime contractors, facing facts objectively and with attention to detail, ability to manage change and deal with obsolescence of classes of warships over their lifetime. These elements can be grouped into several thematic categories. Communication and action. Formal and informal practices ensure that relevant personnel at all levels are informed of technical decisions and actions that affect their area of responsibility. Contractor technical recommendations and government actions are documented in peer-reviewed formal written correspondence. Unlike NASA, PowerPoint briefings and papers for technical seminars are not substitutes for completed staff work. In addition, contractors strive to provide recommendations based on a technical need, uninfluenced by headquarters or its representatives. Accordingly, division of responsibilities between the contractor and the government remain clear, and a system of checks and balances is therefore inherent. Recurring Training and Learning from Mistakes The Naval Reactor Program has yet to experience a reactor accident. This success is partially a testament to design, but also due to relentless and innovative training grounded on lessons learned both inside and outside the program. For example, since 1996, Naval Reactors has educated more than 5,000 Naval Nuclear Propulsion Program personnel on the lessons learned from the Challenger accident. Senior NASA managers recently attended the 143rd presentation of the Naval Reactors Seminar entitled the Challenger Accident Reexamined. The board credits NASA's interest in the Navy nuclear community and encourages the agency to continue to learn from the mistakes of other organizations as well as from its own. Encouraging Minority Opinions 
The Naval Reactor Program encourages minority opinions and bad news. Leaders continually emphasize that when no minority opinions are present, the responsibility for a thorough and critical examination falls to management. Alternative perspectives and critical questions are always encouraged. In practice, NASA does not appear to embrace these attitudes. Board interviews revealed that it is difficult for minority and dissenting opinions to percolate up through the agency's hierarchy, despite processes like the anonymous NASA safety reporting system that supposedly encourages the airing of opinions. Retaining Knowledge Naval Reactor uses many mechanisms to ensure knowledge is retained. The director serves a minimum eight-year term, and the program documents the history of the rationale for every technical requirement. Key personnel in headquarters routinely rotate into field positions to remain familiar with every aspect of operations, training, maintenance, development, and the workforce. Current and past issues are discussed in open forum with the director and the immediate staff at all hands informational meetings under an in-house professional development program. NASA lacks such a program. Worst case event failures. Naval reactors hazard analyses evaluate potential damage to the reactor plant, potential impact on people, and potential environmental impact. The board identified NASA's failure to adequately prepare for a range of worst-case scenarios as a weakness in the agency's safety and mission assurance training programs. Subsafe. The board observed the following during its study of the Navy's Subsafe program. Subsafe requirements are clearly documented and achievable with minimal tailoring or granting of waivers. NASA requirements are clearly documented but are more easily waived. A separate compliance verification organization independently assesses program management. NASA's flight preparation process, which leads to certification of flight readiness, is supposed to be an independent check and balance process. However, the shuttle program's control of both engineering and safety compromises the independence of the flight preparation process. The submarine Navy has a strong safety culture which emphasizes understanding and learning from past failures. NASA emphasizes safety as well, but training programs are not robust and methods of learning from past failures are informal. The Navy implements extensive safety training based on the Thresher and Scorpion accidents. NASA has not focused on any of its past accidents as a means of mentoring new engineers or those destined for management positions. The subsafe structure is enhanced by the clarity, uniformity, and consistency of submarine safety requirements and responsibilities. Program managers are not permitted to tailor requirements without approval from the organization with final authority for technical requirements and the organization that verifies subsafe's compliance with critical design and process requirements. The subsafe program and implementing organization are relatively immune to budget pressures. NASA's program structure requires the program manager position to consider such issues, which forces the manager to juggle cost, schedule, and safety considerations. Independent advice on these issues is therefore inevitably subject to political and administrative pressure. Compliance with critical subsafe design and process requirements is independently verified by a highly capable centralized organization that also owns the processes and monitors the program for compliance.
quantitative safety assessments in the Navy submarine program are deterministic rather than probabilistic. NASA does not have a quantitative program-wide risk and safety database to support future design capabilities and assist risk assessment teams. Comparing Navy programs with NASA Significant differences exist between NASA and Navy submarine programs. Requirements Ownership Technical Authority Both the subsafe and naval reactors organizational approach separates the technical and funding authority from program management and safety matters. The board believes this separation of authority of program managers, who by nature must be sensitive to costs and schedules, and the owners of technical requirements and waiver capabilities, who by nature are more sensitive to safety and technical rigor, is crucial. In the Naval Reactors Program, safety matters are the responsibility of the technical authority. They are not merely relegated to an independent safety organization with oversight responsibilities. This creates valuable checks and balances for safety matters in the Naval Reactors Program technical requirements owner community. Emphasis on lessons learned. Both Naval Reactors and the Subsafe have institutionalized their lessons learned approaches to ensure that knowledge gained from both good and bad experience is maintained in corporate memory. This has been accomplished by designating a central technical authority responsible for establishing and maintaining functional technical requirements, as well as providing an organizational and institutional focus for capturing, documenting, and using operational lessons to improve future designs. NASA has an impressive history of scientific discovery, but can learn much from the application of lessons learned, especially those that relate to future vehicle design and training for contingencies. NASA has a broad lessons learned information system that is strictly voluntary for program slash project managers and management teams. Ideally, the lessons learned information system should support overall program management and engineering functions and provide a historical experience base to aid conceptual developments and preliminary design. The Aerospace Corporation The Aerospace Corporation, created in 1960, operates as a federally funded research and development center that supports the government in science and technology that is critical to national security. It is the equivalent of a $500 million enterprise that supports U.S. Air Force planning, development, and acquisition of space launch systems. The Aerospace Corporation employs approximately 3,200 people, including 2,200 technical staff, 29% doctors of philosophy, 41% masters of science, who conduct advanced planning, system design, and integration, verify readiness, and provide technical oversight of contractors. The Aerospace Corporation's independent launch verification process offers another relevant benchmark for NASA's Safety and Mission Assurance Program. Several aspects of the Aerospace Corporation launch verification process and independent mission assurance structure could be tailored to the shuttle program. Aerospace's primary product is a formal verification letter to the Air Force Systems Program Office stating a vehicle has been independently verified as ready for launch. The verification includes an independent general systems engineering and integration review of launch preparations, 
by Aerospace Staff, a review of launch system design and payload integration, and a review of the adequacy of flight and ground hardware, software, and interfaces. This concept-to-orbit process begins the design requirements phase, continues through the formal verification to countdown and launch, and concludes with a post-flight evaluation of events, with findings for subsequent missions. Aerospace Corporation personnel cover the depth and breadth of space disciplines, and the organization has its own integrated engineering analysis, laboratory, and test matrix capability. This enables the Aerospace Corporation to rapidly transfer lessons learned and respond to program anomalies. Most importantly, aerospace is uniquely independent and is not subject to any schedule or cost pressures. The Aerospace Corporation and the Air Force have found the independent launch verification process extremely valuable. Aerospace Corporation involvement in Air Force launch verification has significantly reduced engineering errors resulting in a 2.9% probability of failure rate for expendable launch vehicles, compared to 14.6% in the commercial sector. Conclusion The practices noted here suggest that responsibility and authority for decisions involving technical requirements and safety should rest with an independent technical authority. Organizations that successfully operate high-risk technologies have a major characteristic in common. They place a premium on safety and reliability by structuring their programs so that technical and safety engineering organizations own the process of determining, maintaining, and waiving technical requirements with a voice that is equal to, yet independent of, program managers, who are governed by cost, schedule, and mission accomplishment goals. The Naval Reactors Program, SubSafe Program, and the Aerospace Corporation are examples of organizations that have invested in redundant technical authorities and processes to become highly reliable. 7.4. Organizational Causes – A Broken Safety Culture Perhaps the most perplexing question the board faced during its seven-month investigation into the Columbia accident was, how could NASA have missed the signals the phone was sending? Answering this question was a challenge. The investigation revealed that in most cases, the human spaceflight program is extremely aggressive in reducing threats to safety. But we also know, in hindsight, that detection of the dangers posed by foam was impeded by blind spots in NASA's safety culture. From the beginning, the board witnessed a consistent lack of concern about the debris strike on Columbia. NASA managers told the board there is no safety of flight issue, and we couldn't have done anything about it anyway. The investigation uncovered a troubling pattern in which shuttle program management made erroneous assumptions about the robustness of a system based on prior success rather than dependable engineering data and rigorous testing. The shuttle program's complex structure erected barriers to effective communication, and its safety culture no longer asks enough hard questions about risk. Safety culture refers to an organization's characteristics and attitudes, promoted by its leaders and internalized by its members, that serve to make safety the top priority. In this context, the board believes the mistakes that were made on STS-107 are not isolated failures, but are indicative of systemic flaws that existed prior to the accident. 
had the shuttle program observed the principles discussed in the previous two sections, the threat that foam posed to the orbiter, particularly after the STS-112 and STS-107 foam strikes, might have been more fully appreciated by shuttle program management. In this section, the board examines the NASA's safety policy, structure, and process, communication barriers, the risk assessment systems that govern decision-making and risk management, and the shuttle program's penchant for substituting analysis for testing. NASA's Safety Policy, Structure, and Process Safety Policy NASA's current philosophy for safety and mission assurance calls for centralized policy and oversight at headquarters and decentralized execution of safety programs at the enterprise, program, and project levels. Headquarters dictates what must be done, not how it should be done. The operational premise that logically follows is that safety is the responsibility of program and project managers. Managers are subsequently given flexibility to organize safety efforts as they see fit, while NASA headquarters is charged with maintaining oversight through independent surveillance and assessment. NASA policy dictates that safety programs should be placed high enough in the organization and be vested with enough authority and seniority to maintain independence. Signals of potential danger, anomalies, and critical information should, in principle, surface in the hazard identification process and be tracked with risk assessments supported by engineering analyses. In reality, such a process demands a more independent status than NASA has ever been willing to give its safety organizations, despite the recommendations of numerous outside experts over nearly two decades, including the Rogers Commission, 1986, General Accounting Office, 1990, and the Shuttle Independent Assessment Team, 2000. Safety Organization Structure Center safety organizations that support the shuttle program are tailored to the missions they perform. Johnson and Marshall Safety and Mission Assurance Organizations are organized similarly. In contrast, Kennedy has decentralized its safety and mission assurance components and assigned them to the Shuttle Processing Directorate. This management change renders Kennedy's safety and mission assurance structure even more dependent on the shuttle program which reduces effective oversight. At Johnson, safety programs are centralized under a director who oversees five divisions and an independent assessment office. Each division has clearly defined roles and responsibilities, with the exception of the Space Shuttle Division Chief, whose job description does not reflect the full scope of authority and responsibility ostensibly vested in the position. Yet the Space Shuttle Division Chief is empowered to represent the Center, the Shuttle Program, and NASA Headquarters in Safety and Mission Assurance at critical junctures in the safety process. The position, therefore, represents a critical node in NASA's Safety and Mission Assurance architecture that seems to the Board to be plagued by conflict of interest. It is a single point of failure without any checks or balances. Johnson also has a Shuttle Program Safety and Mission Assurance Manager who oversees United Space Alliance's safety organization. The Shuttle Program further receives program safety support from the Center's Safety, Reliability, and Quality Assurance Space Shuttle Division. 
Johnson's Space Shuttle Division Chief, has the additional role of Shuttle Program Safety, Reliability, and Quality Assurance Manager. See Figure 7.4-1. Over the years, this dual designation has resulted in general acceptance of the fact that the Johnson Space Shuttle Division Chief performs duties on both the center's and program's behalf. The detached nature of the support provided by the Space Shuttle Division Chief and the wide band of the position's responsibilities throughout multiple layers of NASA's hierarchy confuses lines of authority, responsibility, and accountability in a manner that almost defies explanation. A March 2001 NASA Office of Inspector General audit report on Space Shuttle Program Management Safety Observations made the same point. The job descriptions and responsibilities of the Space Shuttle Program Manager-in-Chief, Johnson Safety Office Space Shuttle Division, are nearly identical with each official reporting to a different manager. This overlap in responsibilities conflicts with the SFOC, Space Flight Operations Contract, and NSTS 07700, which requires the Chief, Johnson Safety Office, Space Shuttle Division, to provide matrix personnel support to the Space Shuttle Program Safety Manager in fulfilling requirements applicable to the safety, reliability, and quality assurance aspects of the Space Shuttle Program. The fact that headquarters, center, and program functions are rolled up into one position is an example of how a carefully designed oversight process has been circumvented and made susceptible to conflicts of interest. This organizational construct is necessarily bureaucratic and defeats NASA's stated objective of providing an independent safety function. A similar argument can be made about the placement of quality assurance in the shuttle processing divisions at Kennedy, which increases the risk that quality assurance personnel will become too familiar with programs they are charged to oversee, which hinders oversight and judgment. The board believes that although the Space Shuttle program has effective safety practices at the shop floor level, its operational and systems safety program is flawed by its dependence on the shuttle program. Hindered by a cumbersome organizational structure, chronic understaffing, and poor management principles, the safety apparatus is not currently capable of fulfilling its mission. An independent safety structure would provide the shuttle program a more effective operational safety process. Crucial components of this structure include a comprehensive integration of safety across all the shuttle programs and elements, and a more independent system of checks and balances. Safety Process In response to the Rogers Commission report, NASA established what is now known as the Office of Safety and Mission Assurance at Headquarters, to independently monitor safety and ensure communication and accountability agency-wide. The Office of Safety and Mission Assurance monitors unusual events like out-of-family anomalies and establishes agency-wide safety and mission assurance policy. An out-of-family event is an operation or performance outside the expected performance range for a given parameter or which has not previously been experienced. The Office of Safety and Mission Assurance also screens the shuttle program's flight readiness process and signs the Certificate of Flight Readiness. The shuttle program manager, in turn, is responsible for overall shuttle safety, 
and is supported by a one-person safety staff. The shuttle program has been permitted to organize its safety program as it sees fit, which has resulted in a lack of standardized structure throughout NASA's various centers, enterprises, programs, and projects. The level of funding a program is granted impacts how much safety the program can buy from a center's safety organization. In turn, safety and mission assurance organizations struggle to anticipate program requirements and guarantee adequate support for the many programs for which they are responsible. It is the board's view, shared by previous assessments, that the current safety system structure leaves the Office of Safety and Mission Assurance ill-equipped to hold a strong and central role in integrating safety functions. NASA headquarters has not effectively integrated safety efforts across its culturally and technically distinct centers. In addition, the practice of buying safety services establishes a relationship in which programs sustain the very livelihoods of the safety experts hired to oversee them. These idiosyncrasies of structure and funding preclude the safety organization from effectively providing independent safety analysis. The Commit to Fly review process, as described in Chapters 2 and 6, consists of program reviews and readiness polls that are structured to allow NASA's senior leaders to assess mission readiness. In like fashion, safety organizations affiliated with various projects, programs, and centers at NASA conduct a pre-launch assessment review of safety preparations and mission concerns. The shuttle program does not officially sanction the pre-launch assessment review, which updates the Associate Administrator for Safety and Mission Assurance on safety concerns during the flight readiness review slash certification of flight readiness process. The Johnson Space Shuttle Safety, Reliability, and Quality Assurance Division Chief orchestrates his review on behalf of headquarters. Note that this division chief also advises the shuttle program manager of safety. Because it lacks independent and analytical rigor, the pre-launch assessment review is only marginally effective. In this arrangement, the Johnson Shuttle Safety, Reliability, and Quality Assurance Division Chief is expected to render an independent assessment of his own activities. Therefore, the Board is concerned that the pre-launch assessment review is not an effective check and balance in the flight readiness review. Given that the entire Safety and Mission Assurance Organization depends on the shuttle program for resources and simultaneously lacks the independent ability to conduct detailed analyses, cost and schedule pressures can easily and unintentionally influence safety deliberations. Structure and process places shuttle safety programs in the unenviable position of having to choose between rubber-stamping engineering analyses, technical efforts, and shuttle program decisions, or trying to carry the day during a committee meeting in which the other side almost always has more information and analytical capability. End of Part 2 of Chapter 7